Uh, several years ago, when I just graduated college, I was serving on staff at a church up in uh, Illinois in the Wheaton area in the suburbs there. And it was a really just amazing church. Uh, I love it so much. It reminds me a lot of what Mercy Road is kind of like, because it was just a great blend of just diversity and the gospel being the main thing. And that diversity was also represented on our staff team. So we had not one, two different Africans and people from all different backgrounds serving together on the same staff team, which meant that we had a lot of fun together as a staff team. So some of the pastors, we always we were just always joking around and doing whatever. And one of the guys on the team uh, was from Liberia. He was the other African on the team along with me. He was from uh, Liberia. So he's a little bit older, grew up in Liberia. And every time he had these like one-liners that just sounded so profound, and except like none of us ever know what it meant. And so like one time we're hanging out, something's going on, we're all laughing, and he's like, you know, laughing with us. And when the laughter die, dies down in his really thick like African accent, he's like, oh yeah, you're like, a, you're like a spider hanging over the river. And we're all like, Robert, what the heck does that mean, man? Like one of the guys on the team, Eric, uh, is Hispanic, grew up on the south side of Chicago, had his life radically transformed. He's like, Robert, what the heck does that actually mean? You're like a spider hanging over the... I, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. And we're going to be looking at a text this morning. If you have your Bibles with me, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. That's where we're going to be this morning. And we're going to be looking at one of Jesus's hardest sayings, perhaps that really challenges me and I hope will challenge you as well this morning. And it's one of those things that when you look at it at first, you're like, what the heck does Jesus actually mean, you know, in saying that? And so if you have your Bibles with me, turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. It says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after, come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. Now, the cross, which is like a tool of uh, just brutal torture and execution back in the day, it would be almost like Jesus saying, you want to be my disciple? Take up the electric chair or the guillotine and follow after me. And his disciples probably would have been like, what, what, what the heck does that even mean, Jesus? And he hits them with this, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Okay, you just lost me there. I can just imagine the disciples are probably like scratching their heads trying to make sense of it. And then he goes on to say this, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm, I can only imagine that the disciples are probably really confused in this moment. Like, what does Jesus actually mean by these words? I want to give you a little bit of context on what's happening here in the story where we just picked up. See, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus calls the 12 disciples, empowers and anoints them, and then sends them out to go out in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit to, into every city, 
to go all over the place to heal the sick, to do miracles, and to share the gospel. And they're going out and they're doing it. And man, they are being so successful at it. They're seeing miracles happen as they go out and they do this. And the gospel is spreading. And word about Jesus is starting to spread all over the place. Because you can imagine every city that they go to, they heal somebody. They share the gospel. They say, believe in Jesus, follow Jesus. And then they move on to the next city. And this is going on. And so now... Fame and the word about Jesus has been spreading. There are masses and masses following him. So we read that in this chapter. On one occasion, there was a group of, get this, 5,000 men gathered together. And that's not including the women or the kids that were there. So this multitude of several thousand people gathered to come and just hear Jesus. And as he's speaking to them, the day goes on and it's getting a little late and people don't have food or anywhere to stay. And the disciples are like, hey, we got to send them home now. This is a large crowd. We got to send them home now. We don't have enough food to feed them. And Jesus is like, why don't you guys feed them? And so they ask around and there's somebody who's hanging out with like five loaves of bread and two fish. And he takes it. Jesus takes it and he prays over it. And then this just begins to multiply. So they're feeding everybody there until everybody eats. They're full and there's still some more food left over. This amazing miracle happens. And then Jesus would then withdraw to a quiet place by himself just to pray and just to commune with his heavenly father and that's where the disciples then come and find him and that's where he then shares these words to them see what Jesus is doing here is he wants to be clear of what it takes to follow him See, the question that you might ask that, that stirred Jesus to be able to say these words is this is the question what does it take to actually follow Jesus and he wanted to make sure that his disciples knew that following him would mean taking up their cross, denying themselves, and then following after him. That see, being a disciple of Jesus is anything but easy or comfortable. And here's what I've come to find is that many of us want to follow the Jesus who does miracles, who heals all my sicknesses, who meets every need I have, who's feeding me all this bread and fish. I mean, just think about it. They had all you can eat sushi, guys. Come on. It was amazing. So they're eating, they're full, they're happy, and everybody wants to follow that kind of Jesus. But listen, not many people want to follow the kind of Jesus that says, take up your cross, die to yourself daily, and come and follow after me. And he just wanted to be clear with his disciples what it would actually take to live as a follower of him. And here's what I've come to find in my own life is this, that I absolutely love comfort. I love comfort. And in fact, I plan things better. I do so many different things in my world and in my week to make sure that my life is as easy or as comfortable as possible. And maybe some of you are in here as well. You might look at your own life and be like, yeah, I love comfort too. Uh, I asked first service. I said, anybody else in here love being comfortable? There was a guy in the front row that said no. And I was like, okay, buddy, how did that heated seat feel when you drove to church this morning? Or the heated steering wheel? Or that warm cup of coffee? You guys know what I'm talking about? And every single one of us, we love being comfortable. And so many of us, we structure our lives and our days and everything that we do, all of our activities around this idea of being comfortable. In fact, there's some studies that have been done, I should say lots of studies that have been done, that show that the human brain, the human mind, literally is wired to seek comfort and, and to avoid pain or to avoid discomfort and to do things that make us the most comfortable. And here's what I come to find, that following Jesus... If I'm going to follow Jesus the way that he calls me to do, following Jesus means crucifying my comfort. 
Following Jesus means denying myself, taking up my cross, following after him. And as I seek to do that, comfort is one of the biggest obstacles in following Jesus in our culture today. We can get so mad and worked up about, well, look at this thing that's happening in media. Or what about what's going on in my kids' schools and all these different things that we can point to and say, those things are making it hard to follow Jesus. I want to tell you this. One of the biggest obstacles to following Jesus in our culture, in Carmel, Indiana, is the fact that we love our comfort so much. And we do everything that we can to make our lives as comfortable as possible, to avoid pain, to avoid discomfort and we live in a day at time today, in this point in time in history, where there are more ways to make your life comfortable than any other time in the history of the world. That's the time that we live in. And so we can begin to buy into this mindset of ease and of comfort and not realizing this, that that becomes a mindset that carries over into every single area of our lives, including it carries over into our faith as well. And we don't realize this, that listen, comfort is a spiritual enemy. Comfort is a spiritual enemy. That the enemy, he can't keep you from following Jesus, but he will celebrate when you're just comfortable in your walk with Jesus. That if you show me a comfortable Christian, most likely it'll be a Christian who is not living out their faith the way that they should, who's not following Jesus in every single area of their, their life, who's not challenging themselves to grow more and more in their faith. You show me a comfortable Christian and I will show you a Christian that the enemy loves because comfort is a spiritual enemy for us. And the more comfortable we seek to make our lives, the less likely we are to follow Jesus in the way that we're going to be talking about today. So can I ask you this question? Have you become comfortable in your walk with Jesus? Are you a comfortable Christian? who has chosen comfort, whatever area it is in your life, over actually accepting this invitation to follow Jesus? Have you become comfortable in your walk with him? Pray with me. Father, we invite you into this moment, and I know this is a hard word that we're going to be looking at today that challenges me and should challenge every single one of us here because I look at our lives and we're so comfortable, and God, there are so many different ways that we choose comfort over following you every single day. And I just pray in this moment that you'd open up our hearts, open up our minds to hear what you have to speak to us today. That we would be the kind of people that are receptive to your word and willing to obey you and to take up our cross, to follow after you every single day as you've called us to do. So would you speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, so we kicked off the new year with a new series and a new theme as well. And the theme is pretty simple. It's just follow me, which is answering the invitation that Jesus gave to every single disciple. Just two words, follow me. And we're unpacking that and talking about that throughout the entire rest of this year. And I find that it's a, it's a pretty simple concept when you think about it, that command to follow me. But then actually exp like expanding that and figuring out what does that mean for me in 2024 here in Carmel, Indiana, to follow Jesus the way that he calls me to can be more complicated, isn't it? Like, it, for example, it's like this. The other day we were driving in the car and my daughter, Ava, who's uh, almost six years old, is in the back probably like coloring or something like that in there, playing with something. And she's like, hey, mom and dad, um, what does the word about mean? And I was like... I looked at Shana like, 
do you want to answer this one or do you want me to answer this one? Because I don't know how to answer that. And so we tried to like explain to her the word about, and I don't know, maybe you might have done a better job. And we're like, well, like when you're talking about like something, you know, it's like, you're like talking about, about the thing. Like, I don't know. Uh, like when we're like talking about you, we're, we're like talking you and we're like, I, I just don't know how to explain the word about to a six-year-old, right? Who asks such a simple question and a simple word that you and I use all the time. And yet you try to explain that. It's like, I, I, I don't know how to explain it without using the word about, you know, in it. And I kind of feel that way a little bit about the message this morning that I just want us to lean in and try to actually look at these words and ask, what does that mean for us? That what Jesus said is pretty simple, but man, unpacking that and applying that to your life can be a little bit more challenging than that. So I just want to invite you guys to lean into what he says here. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. If we're going to do that, if we're going to follow Jesus in that way, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, to follow after him. To crucify our comfort, what does that mean? Number one, if you're taking notes, it means that we need to choose transformation over personal comfort. Choose transformation over personal comfort. That taking up your cross daily and denying yourself is primarily dealing with what you and I face maybe on the inside in our heart and the condition of our heart. See, it's the place that most of our desires and motivations And things that we do all begin with this desire that we have in our heart, including our desire for comfort, begins there sometimes. And you just come to find that if we're going to follow Jesus in the way that he's called us to, it means putting to death the old self and living in the new life that he's now given us in him. So if you weren't here, when we did the series called New Drip, which is online, go watch those messages. It is just unpacking what we're talking about here, that when you place your faith in Jesus, what happened in that moment was you died to the old self. You were made alive with Jesus. And now the call for the rest of your life is every single day to put to death the the old self and to put on the new self that he calls us to live in every single day. That's what it means to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, is to put to death all the old desires of our old self, including our comfort, in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus really in this moment is clarifying what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we defined a disciple in week one as this, a follower of Jesus who models their life after the life of Jesus. And every single one of us, by the way, is called to be a disciple. Like there there isn't different classes of Christians where like, oh, those elite Christians over there, they are like the disciples and the rest of us are Christians. No, every single one of us, when you follow Jesus, when you place your faith in Jesus, there isn't some other class of Christian and disciple. All of us are called to be disciples of Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus models their life after his life. And to be a disciple of Jesus means this. It means that you have to be molded. You have to be molded to become more and more like him. But here's the thing with being molded. Being molded involves heat and force and time. And many of us, because we love the comfort in our own lives, that man, that's so, so, many, so, many, so often I see in our lives that God wants to do something in me to transform me, to make me more like him. But man, if it involves heat and force, like some hard things with it, if it involves time where I have to keep waiting, I tend to avoid those things in my life sometimes and miss out on the transformation that he wants to do in my own life. And one of the biggest obstacles to discipleship is actually comfort because we don't like heat. 
that you're going to be in some of those seasons in your life where you're trying to follow Jesus, and man, you might feel like you're facing so much heat, so much opposition as you're trying to follow him to live out what he's called you to live out, and the people that love comfort just choose to back down from that rather than leaning into it, and they don't experience the transformation or the growth that comes on the other side of that. Or sometimes he's calling you to keep serving in a certain area to do whatever it is or you're in a situation right now and he's just calling you to continue to be faithful and faithful a year into it, five years into it, 20 years into it. And because we don't like time, the time that it takes to mold something, to shape something, so many, so many of us can just reject that. And I come to find that comfort is one of the biggest obstacles to discipleship in our culture today. It's the reason that many of us, we don't join a huddle we don't join an outpost. We don't serve on a team. Like you're telling me to join a huddle. I'm going to have to give up maybe an hour of my week for the next year to show up here early on whatever day of the week it is or to maybe come here on an evening and give up my time when I could be home, comfortable and cozy and warm in my own house to come and sit around and be disciple with some other men. And those are some of the reasons why many of us don't take that next step to join a huddle. Or you're telling me I can join an outpost and I have to give up my time to go serve other people on a team. Comfort is one of the biggest reasons why so many of us, we miss out on the transformation that God wants to have in our life when we do those things that actually lead to growth in our lives. And when you begin to deny your own desire for comfort, you begin to follow Jesus, you'll actually find yourself growing in that process. Because here's, here's what I know from my own life is you can have comfort or you can have growth but you can't have both. You can have comfort or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Show me a comfortable Christian and most likely I will show you a Christian who has stunted their own growth because they've refused to step into some of those challenging, uncomfortable areas that maybe God is calling them to go in order to grow them. You can have comfort or you can have growth, but you can't have both in your life. So what does that look like for you to maybe lean into some of those areas where you're just comfortable right now? You're sitting on the sidelines. You're not in Christian community the way that you should be because, well, it would be uncomfortable for me to put myself out there, to meet some new people, to give up some time in my week. Like, what are some of those areas that you are comfortable in your life that could actually lead to transformation in your life? And Jesus goes on to say this, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Point number two, if we're going to follow Jesus and take up our cross and crucify our comfort, number two, it means choosing kingdom impact over comfort. Choosing kingdom impact over earthly comfort. Um, this past year, I was officiating a wedding for some friends of ours that go here to Mercy Road. And at this wedding, I got to sit down at the reception and I got to talk to Dave and Mary Gothi, who lead the TSM ministry here at Mercy Road. They were at that wedding as well. And the more we were talking, I found out that they were going to Africa because they've been trying to get TSM into Africa to help couples to live on mission and just to see some of the same impact we've seen here at our church happen overseas. And they travel all over the world. They've been in India. They're in Dubai. And we're going to meet up in Africa. And as we began to talk, it just birthed this whole idea of what would it look like for them to come to my dad's seminary in Africa, where you have men and women coming from all over Africa to be trained right there at that seminary. And then they get sent out to over 20, 30 different countries where they could take TSM and begin to teach other couples in their churches, in the ministries that they lead. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people could be impacted by this. 
And so I got really excited about it and we started talking about it. Yeah, it'd be awesome for us to go to Africa and to do it. Well, then we actually started planning the trip. And we're working with a team over there, like on the ground in Africa that are like six hours ahead of us. And so that meant a lot of really early morning meetings for us over here when everybody else in my house is still asleep. And I just would wake up and I'm like, man, this is, this is really early right now. Like, I don't want to be up doing this right now. And then we begin to plan the trip and I look at the, like, even just getting there and I'm like, man, this is going to be like 35 hours of travel, over 20 hours on a plane. Like, I got long legs. I don't want to be doing that. Like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go home and sleep in the same bed that I grew up in that I probably don't even fit anymore and like give up the king size bed that I have here and go to Africa and it's 100 degrees over there right now. I don't know if they have air conditioning or not. And like all these different things begin to come up in me. And I just realized this, that man, I love comfort so much. And if I'm not careful, there are so many opportunities in my life where I could have an impact. But so often I choose to lean on the side of comfort instead. So as we were talking about this with my wife, Shane, and we're even trying to figure out what does that mean for her to stay home by herself with three kids that are six, four, and one, like, what is that going to mean? And, you know, we're just trying to figure all of it out and had all the reasons in the world. And at one point she just told me, she said, hey, Nate, you need to go on this trip because the impact that this trip could have for so many couples and churches and ministries over there, you need to go on this trip and we'll figure it out. So tomorrow night, I'm going to be boarding a flight, going to Africa to meet up with Dave and Mary and to get to do this TSM. And I hope that someday we get to take some of you guys over there to get uncomfortable and to go live on mission and do that as well. And what I find is that oftentimes in life, you can have comfort or you can have impact, but you can't have both. And for some of us in the room, so many opportunities that we've passed up on where maybe God has called you to share your faith with a neighbor or a coworker, And because of the comfort that we feel, it's like, well, what if they think I'm weird? Well, what if I'm rejected maybe as a result of that? If I talk about Jesus and so many of us, we choose to settle for comfort instead. And I just wonder how different our world would look if more Christians began to choose impact over comfort in our lives. And I'm really challenged by the story of Jim Elliott, who was from the area that I lived in in Illinois. He went to Wheaton College and so got to know some people that are actually close to that family in the area. But in 1956, after months and months of praying about and years of really feeling called to go share the gospel with people that were unreached people that had never heard the gospel before, Jim Elliott, along with four of his friends, began to reach out to this indigenous tribe in uh, the jungle of Ecuador and would make contact with them. And then uh, finally, on January 8th of 1956, they boarded a plane, landed there on the beach to make contact with this tribe. And upon arriving there, things turned uh, bad pretty quickly. And Jim Elliott and four of his friends were speared to death right there in that village. And I'm so challenged by that because I just think of even what it takes for me just to go across the driveway sometimes and just to share my faith with my neighbor. And I don't even have the courage to do that sometimes. And here are men that were willing to actually follow Jesus, to literally take up their cross and to go right into an area that they knew was dangerous to their own death, to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. But you know that following their death, which was covered all over media, there's books and movies that have been made about it, so you can go read that. But following their death that day, what ended up happening was their wives and their families and their kids actually went back to that same village that murdered their husbands and their dads. 
and began to share the gospel and to live amongst the people there. And one person after another began to give their lives to Christ. Some of the very people that had murdered Jim Elliott and his friends became believers and got to serve alongside Jim Elliott's wives and their families. And they began to see that village be completely transformed for Christ. And not only that, but so many young people heard the story and it led to, if you read about it in the 50s and the 60s and even 70s, hundreds of college age people saying, I want to go be a missionary, go across the world to people that have never heard the name of Jesus to go share my faith. Listen, we can choose to be comfortable Christians, but we miss out on the impact that God wants to have in and through our lives. Because you can have comfort or you can have impact, but you can't have both. And listen, I'm not asking you today to go to Africa or to go to Ecuador. I'm just asking you to go right back to where you are, where you live, where you work, where you play, and to begin to pray and to ask us, what would it look like for me to become uncomfortable, to step outside of my comfort zone, to begin to see the impact that God maybe wants to have in and through me? What would that look like? For you to begin to share your faith, to live out your faith with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with different people that he's placed in your spheres of influence and to see the impact that he could have. And I love so much what Jim Elliott said. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. Comfort is one of the ways that we seek to save our lives and to just live in some of these bubbles that we have. And listen, I'm not asking you to go be a missionary. I'm just asking you to start right where you are because Jesus called them in Matthew chapter four. He said this, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And by the way, that means that if we're going to catch fish, we got to go where the fish are, which by the way, is everywhere that you and I live. Look around you. There's so many people around us every single day that we rub shoulders with who are far away from God. And he's placed us in those places to reach people for the kingdom and to have an impact. And what would it look like for us to begin to live that out? And to catch fish, you've got to go where the fish hang. And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And there's different approaches that we can take to just living in the world. And how how do I reach the world? And man, you don't understand how culture is. How do I follow Jesus today in 2024? And there's different approaches that I've seen people take over the years as Christians as they seek to reach culture, as they seek to reach the world and people that are far away from God. And I just want to give you some of these approaches and you'll find this, that some of them are actually rooted in our desire for comfort. So number one, there's the people that I call the floaters. These are the people that if you go to the amusement park, you'll find them hanging out in the tube, floating down the lazy river. Life is good, baby. Just floating along. I'm just going to let the waves and the currents just carry me along and they're just floating. These are the people that want to get in the water where the fish are at to catch fish. But they're like, I I feel uncomfortable here. So I'm just going to rise above just a little bit. Like I'm going to be like a really good person. Like I'm going to be like that nice person, you know, that everybody is, is going to talk about. Man, they're just so nice. They're just so kind. And just be a good, just be a good moral person. And I can tell you that it sounds at first like a great approach to life, but then you realize this, that Jesus didn't call us to be nice people. He called us to go make disciples. And sometimes we settle for, I'm I'm just going to be just a nice person, just kind of be nice, just kind of be better than everybody else a little bit. I'm just going to float above a little bit of the water, just stay up here. And when we do that, we still fail to actually reach people to have the impact that he desires for us to have. And then there's another group of people that I call the divers. These are the Christians that just say, I'm going to jump in 
Head first, both feet in, all into culture, just immerse myself into culture. And you end up looking at these people and their lives look nothing different from the rest of the world. Even though maybe they claim the name of Jesus, even though maybe they might come to church on a Sunday, their lives look exactly like the world because they fully immersed themselves and assimilated into the world. Because carrying their cross, going against everything, going against the current of culture is so much harder. So I'm just going to give into that. I'm just going to go with the flow. Just look like everybody else. Fully assimilate into culture rather than asking, how is it that Jesus actually called me to carry my cross, deny myself, and to follow after him every single day? And, and then there's the third approach of people that I call the safe at shore people. These are the people that as Christians are like, man, getting in the water to catch fish is so scary. So I'm just going to hang out over here on the beach. Like you don't understand. It's just safe over here. And I've just got my little Christian bubble over here. My same group of three friends that I've known for the last 50 years. I'm going to avoid everything else that has to do with the world. I'm just going to get out of the water completely, live isolated from the rest of the world. Not realizing that God has called us to live in the world, to go where the fish are in order to catch fish and to make a difference for him. And we just end up settling for these Christian bubbles that we can create. And I'm just comfortable over here. I might even build an amazing sandcastle on the beach. Not realizing that, man, people right next to me, right next door to me, right in my office building or whatever it is are far away from God. And if I believe the gospel, those people are going to spend eternity away from God. But, man, I'm so comfortable over here. You don't understand. The beach is amazing, and I love playing in the sand. And then there's the last approach that I believe probably reflects more the heart of God and how he's called us to live, which I call the salmon runners. Now, you've heard of Samson in the Bible. And I'm going to talk to you about salmon today. Uh, last year, I got to go on a fishing trip up to Michigan to fish for salmon on the Muskegon River. And it sounded great at the time, except it was like in the wintertime. It was cold. We were out there. I didn't catch a single fish. I got snowed on on this boat, just exposing the open. It was freezing and all these things. But as we were out there fishing, what was so fascinating was that you see salmon when their salmon run is happening. You can see these fish and, man, the river is flowing and the current is strong. And yet in the middle of that, they're able to navigate all these obstacles to get to where they need to get. And I just kind of think of how we as Christians are called to live in the world. That, man, culture has such a strong current that he wants to pull you away from God and pull everybody away from God. And yet we're called to be like the salmon in the water that learn how to navigate it. And it takes wisdom from the Holy Spirit. It takes discernment. But listen, Jesus said he is with you as you go to make disciples. And so we are called to live in the water, to get in the water, to learn how to navigate culture in order to reach more people for Christ. So which one are you? Have you settled for comfort for any one of these approaches that keeps you safe and keeps you out of the water? Or maybe you've just assimilated, you're just going along with the current, just going with the flow. Listen, can we learn to be people that can navigate culture in order to impact culture? Because you can have comfort or you can have impact, but you can't have both. So what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you to begin today, just right where you are, to begin to live on mission, to have an impact for Christ? You have no idea what God could do in and through your life. If you just realize that he was calling you, placing you maybe in a place where you could have such a huge impact for the kingdom. If you would just step outside of your comfort zone, just follow his leading in that. And the way that we're going to be able to do all these things, number three, will only happen when we as Christians learn to choose eternal joy over temporal comfort in our lives. 
that, man, there's so many different ways in my own life that I'm just so focused on the here and now. If it's easy right now, I'm going to do it. And I forget that, man, there's a whole other eternity that is awaiting us that we'll get to be together in eternity forever and that nothing will compare to some of the joys that we'll get to experience in heaven. Jesus said this in verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. What does it mean by that? That Jesus had this moment where he was praying and the disciples got to see a glimpse of heaven where just his glory was revealed and some of these prophets from the Old Testament came and it was so amazing that Peter saw it. He's like, we got to camp out right here. I don't care about the whole rest of the world. Let's just camp out right here. Let's build a house. I just want to stay right here in this forever that, man, when you get to see some of the glory and some of the joy of the kingdom, nothing in this world will ever compare to that. And yet so often in our lives, we tend to just settle for the here and now. And man, look at all the comfort that I can have right now. And I just think that when we get to heaven someday, we're not going to sit around and talk about, man, do you know how comfortable my life was? The kind of house that I had, the kind of car that I had, and the kind of money I made? No, we're going to be celebrating in heaven the kind of impact that we had, the lives that were changed, how we lived on mission for Christ. And listen, it only happens when we can begin to focus more and more on the joy of the kingdom more than some earthly comfort. And I know that taking up your cross daily to live for Jesus in this world is hard. I'm not here to make it sound easy. And if I'm being honest, it is scary at times. That sometimes in my life when I've chosen to actually take Jesus at his word and to live out my faith and to follow after him, it's led to some scary moments in my life. But listen, every time I've taken that step in my life, I found that on the other side of that yes, on the other side of that act of obedience, man, there is so much more that he has in store for me. There's so much more that he wants to do in your life and in my life. And ultimately it comes down to this. Do you trust Jesus enough to take up your cross to follow after him? Realizing that he says this in his word, as you pursue after him, that surely his goodness and his mercy will follow after you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He has good plans for you. So will you trust him? Will you follow him? Will we stand together right now with me as we do that? Let's just thank God right now for all that he's done for us, how he's provided for us, that he alone is worthy of our praise, that we can